This sermon was recorded at Christ Church Overland Park, a congregation that seeks to be a people fully alive in God's kingdom. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see him and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar and put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and when the centurion, who stood there in front of Jesus, saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. You know, everyone is, I think, at least a little bit afraid of the dark. I know as a little kid, you know, I had to have the night light uh, in my room. I'm not sure what age I was when that went away, but it wasn't particularly early. Um, You know, we can't see in the dark, and that's why it's scary. We don't know what or who is out there. Are they a friend or foe? Darkness is scary. It can be isolating and disorienting. People who live at the poles during the winter Without exception, they say the worst part of it is not the cold, but the three months of just continual darkness. As many of you know, know, ice fishing has become my latest fishing obsession. Eventually, everything to do with fishing will be my obsession. (laughs) Um, It's interesting that in the lower light conditions of winter, It becomes challenging for the fish to see, and especially in deeper water. So you have to use very small bait, like tiny bait, and move it very slowly because the fish are skittish. They're cautiously approaching the bait because they aren't sure if what they're after is something that they can eat or something that's going to eat them. In the dark, we can't see clearly, and that can be frightening. You know, Mark tells us that Jesus was betrayed, arrested, denied, tried, and crucified in the dark. At noon, Darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And 
Darkness describes the scene, but in the Bible, darkness is also used as a metaphor for spiritual darkness. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. Proverbs 4. 1 John 2, anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. So I gotta tell you, this is a very challenging sermon to preach, not only because we're getting into some really dicey theological waters, uh, but also just personally and pastorally, like I know many people who are experiencing seasons of darkness. And a passage like this can be particularly poignant. But let's give it a try. And let's, let's look at this passage in these, under these kind of three headings. Human darkness, the darkness Jesus experienced, and Jesus' darkness brings us into the light. So human darkness, the darkness Jesus experienced, and his darkness brings us into the light. So human darkness is on display in this passage beginning in verse 29. Mark tells us that those who passed by, you know, the religious leaders and even those who were crucified with Jesus mocked and insulted him. And that begs the question, why? Like, well, why were they so upset with Jesus? Well, Mark tells us that, you know, they, in their mocking, they say things like, come down from the cross and save yourself. He saved others, but he can't save himself. Come down from the cross that we may see and believe. They mocked Jesus because they were blind. They were blind. Uh, they couldn't see who Jesus was. They couldn't believe that the Messiah could be crucified on a cross, and they certainly could not see or believe that the Messiah could literally be God incarnate, God in human flesh. They, they, they couldn't get their heads around that. And this is despite the, the reality that this is all in the Old Testament. It's there. They'd read these passages, but they didn't, they didn't see it. Not when he was in, right in front of them. You know, the suffering servant in Isaiah. In Daniel 7, there is this son of man, a human figure, but one who has all authority, is worshipped by all nations and has an everlasting kingdom. I mean, these are attributes that belong to God alone. It's there, but they could not see it. They were blind to who Jesus is, and so they mocked him. They, they hurled insults at him. And you know, those particular people in that passage, they kind of are there as representative of all of humanity. You know, the Bible says that humanity is darkened and blinded by sin. 
And it, it happens because we have turned away from God, our Creator, and turned to ourselves, the creatures. That's what Paul says in Romans 1. And Augustine of Hippo, he coined this Latin phrase, incurvatus in se, turned inward on oneself. That's the human condition. Martin Luther, he expounded on this idea in his lectures on Romans. And he writes, our nature, by the corruption of sin, being so deeply curved in on itself, that it not only bends the best gifts of God towards itself and enjoys them, or rather even uses God himself to attain these gifts, but it also fails to realize that it, that it so curvedly seeks all things, even God, for its own sake. The Bible is clear that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have turned our eyes inward, and therefore we can't, we can't see clearly. We can't see clearly who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Deuteronomy 28, God says, look, if you disobey, this is what's going to happen. At midday, you will grope about like a blind person in the dark. Zephaniah chapter 1, they will grope about like those who are blind because they have sinned against the Lord. In sin, in this turning inward, we can't see clearly who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And so the crowd and the religious leaders there that day were in darkness. But Jesus, Jesus experienced a darkness of his own. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, what was going on in that moment? What can we understand about that moment? The Bible tells us that the incarnate Son of God was in that moment taking on the sin of the world. It says in Isaiah 53, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And then referring to Isaiah 53, Peter says this, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Well, think of this for a second. Consider the vastness and severity of human evil. And not just our own sin, which is bad enough, but, you know, our own sin and selfishness, but consider the, the vastness of evil. I mean, things, things we really don't even want to think about, let alone speak out loud. All of it the New Testament writers tell us 
Some of the Old Testament writers tell us all of it, Jesus bore, took it on in his body on the cross. Now, you want to talk about suffering. Jesus' primary suffering was not physical. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and sweating blood, I think this is exactly what he was thinking about. All of it on him. And when he did, when he experienced that, he felt abandoned, forsaken by God. And, you know, we just go, what, what does this mean? I mean, was Jesus literally cut off and separated from God? I mean, Christian teaching has always been that the Trinity is holy and undivided. I mean, God can't be divided against himself. Christian teaching has always been that Jesus can't be divided. Jesus has two natures, a human nature and a divine nature, but those two natures operate without confusion, without change, without division or separation. So we can't say that, well, Jesus' humanity experienced forsakenness, but his divinity didn't. We can't pull him apart like that. Here's what we can confidently teach. Jesus felt abandoned. He felt forsaken. That's what he says. You know, Jesus in John 5, he says, I only do what I see my Father doing. And I think in that moment, in that, the darkness of that moment, I think he felt like, for the first time, my vision is kind of blurry. I'm not able to see the Father like I, I always have. I mean, does it, think about it, does it make sense that Jesus would have felt this way when he knew he was going to be vindicated? He knew it. He knew he was going to be resurrected. Like, that's what he taught the disciples, even though they never got it. And I think, well, sure, of course. Like, have you ever felt rejected and kind of discouraged and depressed, but at the same time, a little bit hopeful? Like, yeah, sure, of course. We're complex creatures. We're capable of feeling and experiencing more than just one thing at a time. And God is infinitely more complex and capable than we are. So Jesus bore our sins in his body on the cross. And as a result, he felt the agony of being forsaken. All while he knew he was going to be vindicated and resurrected. The two things exist at the same time. So there's human darkness, and there's the darkness that Jesus experienced, but here's the, the really good news. And 
you know, the dark part, it's hard to talk about, and we don't want to even really think about it, especially as it relates to ourselves, but it's what makes the good news so good. Here's the good news, that the darkness Jesus experienced brings us into the light. The grace of God that is made known to us in Jesus in his death and resurrection and all that that involves, it makes possible by faith for us to come into the light so we can see who Jesus really is. You know, Mark begins his gospel, so he begins telling the story with this line. Mark 1.1, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. That is a great opening line right there. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And then throughout his telling of the story, no one gets that last part, that Son of God part. No one gets it until this scene. Even Peter doesn't get it, not fully. Who do you say that I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Not that last part. But here, this centurion, this Roman military commander who had likely been there overseeing the soldiers who were crucifying Jesus, he is the first one to have his eyes enlightened and to see Jesus for who he is. Surely this man was the son of God. He was a hardened soldier who no doubt had been a part of inflicting great amounts of suffering and death. You want to talk about sin? Well, this guy had committed plenty. He was about the last person there that you would have expected to get it. And yet, all in an instant, he looked at Jesus and Mark tells us he saw how he died. He saw the agony. He experienced the darkness of that moment. And somehow, by God's grace, the seed of faith began to grow in his heart. In that dark moment, the light of God opened his eyes and he was able to see, to see who Jesus was and is, the Son of God. Jesus experienced the darkness for this very reason. This is why he did it. When grace by faith takes root in our hearts, our eyes are enlightened and we see Jesus for who he is. Jesus experienced the darkness to bring us, to bring you and me, into the light. Peter says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Paul prays that we would give joyful thanks to the Father 
who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. All of us experience the darkness. It just comes with being human. All of us experience seasons of darkness. And in that darkness, we can feel alone. We can feel abandoned. We can feel forsaken. We'll know that Jesus felt those same things. So you're not alone. And in those times, keep looking to Jesus even if the darkness makes it difficult to see. You know how like when it's dark and you can kind of see, but you have to really strain? Keep doing that. And if it's really hard for you to see, you know what? Stay connected to the church. Stay connected to the Christian community and let others see for you. Sometimes that's the best we can do. Whatever it takes, keep straining to see Jesus and know that the darkness is not the end of the story. That's not how this story ends. And at the same time Jesus felt abandoned, he knew it. He knew it. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Because of what Jesus has done for you, the dark moments do not have the final word. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Thanks be to God.